Welcome to The Grappling Arts, the podcast where we celebrate the art and sport of professional wrestling. This week's guest describes himself as the existential journeyman grappler, the cosmic catch artiste, Socrates but chocolatey, none other than Sugar Dunkerton. Claire, Sugar D and I discuss the plot of the movie Gladiator in terms of pro wrestling storytelling, the difference and similarities between wrestling of the southern states of North America and professional wrestling in the UK. And we also talk about Sugar Dunkerton's love of the city of Leeds. We hope you enjoyed this episode as much as we enjoyed recording it. If you do, please subscribe. Awesome. Well, thank, thanks for coming on and joining us. Um, it's, you've actually been someone that I've wanted to have on for, for quite a while, lo- longer than even our protracted discussions about when you were going to come on. Um, <laughs> well, just- we, we finally made it happen. I'm, I'm happy for it. <laughs> Um, and I think actually you're our first American guest as well, which is so that's that's what? a first. We had Tanisha. Last your brain. Oh yeah, yeah. So we're so now we... on a bit of a we're now on a bit of a kind of cross pond role after Tanisha last week and then you this week. So yeah. Yeah, our first American wrestler, I just I should say. Mm-hmm. So yeah, not no disrespect to barrier, Tanisha. Barrier breaking, barrier breaking. Okay, I'm I'm with that. I'm with that. <laughs> Uh, and, and indeed, actually, the first American wrestler on a resurgent show as well, way back mm-hmm. when, when those things existed. Well, well, I, well, I hope they continue to exist again, like in the near <laughs> future. But it's like, yes, yes, that's a uh, that means a lot too. like, I, I don't know, man, I, I guess I never think about those kind of things when I'm doing them. Like, um, I, I guess I just have a feeling like I'm a child of the world, you know, so um, mm-hmm. that's what made all the time over in England, like really special. Cause um, I guess it wasn't one of those cases where every, well, pe- people would definitely make fun of me for like my accent. I had to remember I'm the one with the accent when I'm over there. <laughs> but uh, otherwise it was just, Hey man, all right, cool. Like, like you're, you're part of the, you're part of the family now. So, and um, I've always enjoyed that about being over there. Like it's just this weird, little microcosm that I get to be a part of. So um, that's cool, man. I don't. I guess I don't even think about it as like, you know, first American of anything, man. I'm just over there. Um, I'm a transplant. I feel like I'm a, I'm a Leeds transplant. You know what I'm saying? Like when I'm over there. So, which is good. It's good. Like I don't, I don't ever feel like I'm out of, uh, out of element. That's awesome. Um, yeah. That's actually a topic that I want to come to a, a little bit later on. Um, Cause I think it's really fascinating. Um, but like, first of all, what we kind of generally ask people is um, to give us the sort of cliche um, origin story back background in terms of wrestling. So like, I just wondered whether you could start by just telling us a little bit about your wrestling fandom, I guess, like when you started becoming a wrestling fan, when you first encountered wrestling, what it was that you, what it was that drew you to this kind of strange world that we inhabit. Well, I mean, um, I'm I'm here to tell you it's one of my earliest memories, you know, like uh, it's it's one of those cases where it's like one of the first things I absolutely remember. And like, that's why I have such a uh, what's, what's the word I want to use? I have such a strong um, connection to WrestleMania five because that's I can remember so much from such an early age of WrestleMania five. And, you know, my dad uh used to have all like the pay-per-views recorded I, like when i get v- when i see vhs tapes especially like the six hour 
uh, super long play BASF tapes, I get happy. I get real happy because I remember that's where all the good stuff used to be on. Because, you know, you would have like a bunch of episodes of like the real Ghostbusters and Denver and the Last Dinosaur and the Adventures of the, La- of the Galaxy Rangers. And I could always count on towards the end of those tapes having some really good stuff on it. Like it would have like a wrestling pay-per-view or you know, like Robotech the movie or Transformers the movie or something like that. And um, my most prized VHS was an AFN recorded copy of WrestleMania five. And I can remember the main event front to back. I can remember like Piper's pit. I can remember like, um, Akeem taking Shawn Michaels head off with a clothesline, like, like, like out of nowhere and just all the little stuff from it. And I just kind of knew from that point when I started being able to put coherent thoughts together that, I wasn't going to be able to escape wrestling. Like I loved it too much. It was like the theatrics and the physicality and the colorfulness of it and everything to that effect. So uh, you just know when you know, and I just knew there wasn't an escape to it. So like, so it's, it's always been a part of my life. It's just always been. That's really interesting. Yeah. I, I love um, people that have that really, really early connection to wrestling and, and also because of that generation like you say the recorded vhs tapes like i remember for me it was um royal rumble 1993 which was a a pretty pretty unforgettable royal rumble but i knew like every minute of that royal rumble you know back to back because it was one of the few vhs tapes that i had um and yeah i remember having tapes that were played to to the point where like the the visuals would all get distorted because it had been played too many times and things like that it's a beautiful thing. Like I think that's why I'm I'm so attracted to like every, every every everybody wants to go clearer and clearer and clearer and like you know 4K and 8K and and so much K that your eye can't even handle it and whatnot. And, you know I wear glasses outside of the ring, so I've made I've made peace with the fact that like my eyes are only going to catch so many K at the end of the day. It's only going to look so good to me. So um, I'm drawn to like that old. VHS like grainy look whenever mm-hmm. I get a chance to do it, I love it I absolutely like relish it because it just it comforts me because it takes me back to that day and age and that time when like VHS was the pinnacle of technology man it's good times <laughs> when did um, when did kind of watching wrestling and being like a fan of wrestling when did that start to begin to transition into wanting to actually be a wrestler to, to kind of step into the ring were you doing things like as you were growing up, did you kind of play wrestling um, or was it just watching wrestling? Oh, no, it was, it was all encompassing. Like it was all encompassing. It was, it was good. So it's like, you know, I was talking wrestling. I was watching wrestling, um, getting the shirts, all that other, all that other stuff. Like it was, it's a huge part of my life, man. And um, I, I think that's something that people, especially now that I'm older, it's one of those things where, um, I guess, I guess when people get to talking about it and they think, like, I have other interests. I, I love a lot of things, but it's hard to get rid of something that's been there since you've been pushed out and you can remember. And I just remember at one point it was like, okay, maybe I may never actually wrestle, but, you know, I'll, I'll you know, I'll write about it or I'll do this or I'll do something about that. And then as I got older, um, I got introduced to the Bill After Mags, uh, those wonderful, wonderful magazines, uh, the world of wrestling. And, oh, God, it was great. And 
you know, I saw the pictures and then I had a very, very, very important section that changed my whole trajectory. And that section was the independent wrestling section in the back with results. Because I didn't know independent wrestling exists. I figured if it wasn't on TV, it wasn't on TV. So, like, it just didn't exist. So I got to see, like, there was independent wrestling in Georgia. There was independent wrestling in all these different states and whatnot. So I was like, you know, maybe. And then I got to looking at what independent wrestlers look like. And I was like, you know, maybe uh, this could work out a different way. And I, and I told mom that all the time. And I think mom kind of brushed it off. It was just like, oh, you're going through a phase. You know, you'll you'll get over it. You'll you know you'll want to do something else by the time you come. She always used to hit me with the. Uh, she always used to hit me with the, you know, wait till you get to college because I think she thought I was gonna get so caught up in college, I'd never. I, I just I just forget. You know how we get with dreams sometimes. We let other things get in the way and we never do them, right? So, I think that's what her thought process was, and I just never let it go. And um, I started training at 17 in high school. I had to make a choice between actually being on the real wrestling, the quote unquote real wrestling team and wrestling school. I couldn't do both. I just didn't have the time to do it. So I went and did my passion and I I paid for it. Um, I definitely paid for it. Uh, When the captain of the wrestling team found out about that, he was (laughs) like, can I ask you a question? Can we cuss on this podcast? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> okay, I, I need it. For, I need it for effect. I need it for effect. I promise. I'm not just gonna throw around a curse word. So, um, they find out why I quit, and the captain of the wrestling team, um, Josh, of course, it's Josh. That's such a such a uh, wrestling captain varsity name. Um, he rolls up to me and basically lets me know, like, um, you know, and keep in mind, this dude is uh, this dude is 17, already six four like 270 pounds like he's as wide as he's tall so like yeah so he 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 goes up to me and he's like he's like oh so you quitting us so you could do that fake shit and um yeah i felt the way about that because like this is what i always wanted to do and i'm like look um and me being in my never back down phase when i probably should have backed down i was like look um it's like i'm doing this this is what i always wanted to do I'm not gonna let anybody talk about what I'm doing or whatever it is. You want to find out how fake it is? We can fi- we can figure it out after school. Immediately regretted saying that after I said it, but you know it's that prison mentality. You gotta you gotta step up to the biggest guy in the yard and hope it works out. And it's one of those cases where I wish it worked out like in the stories, but it did not. We got off the bus uh, that day. Uh, he proceeded to systematically break me down and he threw me in a, I'll never forget it. He threw me in a, after he beat me down a little bit, he picked me up like a power bomb set and just like, you know, just to prove a point. And he tossed me in like uh, some bushes and I hit the bushes and I, uh, I hung in the bushes upside down because my shirt got caught in one of the branches. So I'm just hanging upside down the concrete probably like a few inches from my face. And it's like, he's bored after that. So he just walks away. So I just like hung up there for like 20 minutes and it was, uh, yeah, I had time to think about my young life at that time. And then I pulled myself down and then I became a wrestler and I figured if I could survive that beating, nothing, I could do everything else. So I guess it was necessary. It was character building. Mm -hmm. 
That's so interesting, like that, that like tension between like the real wrestling and fake wrestling. I know what you mean about those, those names. I'm not saying them seriously at all, but it's super interesting. Like the whole history of wrestling, the whole history of pro wrestling has played around with that so much that, you know, oh, he's a real wrestler, so he's going to come beat you or, you know, or kind of playing around with theatrics with that. It's just, it's so, it's so interesting to see that like in all parts of wrestling history, that just, that kind of story just keeps reinventing itself, I guess. Um, it's, yeah, it's super cool. Well, it's rough because um, as a like, uh, no matter how high up you get on the totem pole, and that's why I love that uh, that phrase, that quote by CM Punk. CM Punk said on the art of wrestling that no matter how famous you get in wrestling, you are not famous. And I guess what I'm relating it to is if Tom Brady, he's like he's a popular American football player, mm-hmm. like if um, if Tom Brady woke up and made John Cena's money when John Cena was on top in WWE, he would have thrown himself out of a window. Cause like being top in wrestling isn't the same thing as being top in any other sport. And the respect works like that too. Like there's a, a big lack of respect when it comes to that. And which is crazy because especially in America where entertainment based business and country. So like we put a lot of love on actors and all this other stuff like that. And we don't go to movies and talk about how fake stuff is or watch TV shows and talk about how fake stuff is. You know, Game of Thrones was like one of the biggest phenomenons and everybody was just caught up. And if you said something about Game of Thrones, people were ready to fight you. But then you start talking professional wrestling and it's like half the half the world is ready to talk about how fake it is. Yeah. And it it sucks because like the sacrifices are real. The pain is real. Um, those days where it's just, I just want to sleep all day because I've had like a really, really, really hard time on the road. Um, it's all super real to me and it's just as much art as anything else that we're doing and all the stuff and the sacrifice that comes along with that. Mm. And I just think people look past that and, and I hate that. And on top of that, you got to really love this to know that you're never going to get the same level of respect that any other art form or sport would get unless you cross over into one of those other art forms. Like the rock was respected, but like he didn't get like, he's the guy status until like movies and all that other stuff. You know, Cena, he's crossing over into the movie world as well too. Any super popular wrestler, you notice that they, they're not just popular for just wrestling. Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. I think like artistry as well like I you know it always kind of makes me super mad that um that wrestlers aren't regarded as artists in the same way as actors are like if you go back over the history of wrestling and you see like the combination of the kind of physical storytelling and like emotional storytelling of someone like Mick Foley for example I've been kind of going back over yeah. his promos recently and they're just like artistically amazing and so compelling and you know but again yeah you're absolutely right would never get the same amount of respect as an actor would despite the fact that it's emotionally just as charged and as powerful yeah man it's 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 rough dude and uh but so you know oftentimes especially when i'm on the road or i do seminars or whatnot um I tell people all the time, it's like they they they'll try to tell you that wrestling to make it is a physical thing. It's heart and it's mm-hmm. mental when you get ready to do that too, because like all that stuff will mess you up way further 
than like any of the other stuff when I think it's all said and done. But like, you know, I love doing this. And uh, despite any kind of humps or uh, trials and tribulations and whatnot, uh, I'm realistic with myself. I'm not going to stop doing it until I can't do it anymore or until it just makes sense not to do it anymore. But it would be nice to get that level of respect. But, you know, again, you you've got to love it to know that you're never going to get it like that. Can I, on the just to so to just to track back to your biography a little bit, your sure. you where were you where did you start to learn wrestling? Was this uh, North Carolina? So is that right? No, I was I was back in Georgia by that Georgia. time, yeah. and um, I was fortunate because, like I said, obsessed with wrestling. So that means, like you know, I watched everything. So that means even like the D list like e-list shows like i was watching wwf jacked so that was like the guys that don't get wins on any other show actually get to win a match against like the super indie guys that you have to read the magazines to know about so that was like sa reels versus low-key man it was the good stuff and um they showed jack for approximately four weeks four episodes on like a local affiliate and it was during episode two that I saw an advertisement for a wrestling school that was like 15 minutes away from me in a that was that shared space with a karate center. So um, I took it as a sign and I figured it out and I went and I mean, it got my foot in the door, but there was a lot of things I didn't, you know, there was a lot of things like even from those trainers I didn't really pick up from. I mean, God bless them. They did what they could, but it's not like um, they taught me about, you know, they taught me how to bump. They taught me how to put some things together, but they didn't talk, tell me about the road and, you know, like full psychology and things of that nature. So I spent a very long time just kind of being lost in the world and not having the best matches and not being able to figure it out and not always getting my etiquette together. So then it was one of those cases where I had to get retrained I had to get retrained while I was on the road and I'm thankful mm -hmm. because there were people, because there were people that were like, Hey, you suck, but here's why you suck as opposed to just, Hey, you suck. So, um, I took that information to heart and then I got better and I started having better matches and my booking started getting better. And I just kept trying for stuff. I guess the other thing too, is just being persistent because, out of doors that got closed on me so i just started saying like screw your door either i'll find a way under it or i'll find a different door i'll go in the room next to it and then smash the wall that's adjacent to your room so i can get in there and pop up like the kool-aid man so that's just my my idea about that kind of thing so and it's been okay so far it's it gets a little trying but i wouldn't change it I'm interested in, we'll start to come on to the connection to the UK and um, the kind of love that you have for the, for the UK scene. But I'm also interested in the fact that you, you, you kind of, you know, you, you trained in Georgia, you, you're wrestling in the South of America, which has like a really rich wrestling culture. Like you th I, I think, yeah. of, you know, the Carolinas of, of Ric Flair and the promotions that were down there that, you know, in the eighties and, and, and earlier, but then also like Br Britain having this really distinct wrestling culture as well. So it's, I, I find it really fascinating that you, you kind of 
crossed over from those two different very very kind of important wrestling cultures yeah um, i put a lot yeah. of respect on it yeah so i guess my, my question would be like what what kind of drew you do you do you feel like you that kind of wrestling culture was part of you learning to wrestle like that kind of southern wrestling culture um yeah was that is that something that was a kind of a factor or um and i'm 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 proud to be able to say like you know like i may not always be proud of things that happen in my state but i'm proud that um I come that I come from that area and I had a chance to train in that area. I'll tell people flat out, if you were talking, if you were thinking about training or coming to Georgia to ply your craft, it's great because um, again, the roots of like really learning to connect with the crowd, slowing down um, just the fact that we've got a lot of uh, legends and great talent that are still floating around like those old wise masters that you could like go and talk to and train under and all this other good stuff. Um, do I think that you're definitely going to have to hit the road and travel out to do more? Absolutely. But if we're talking about like setting a foundation, Georgia's a great state for that. And um, I absolutely love it for that. And because I'm a big fan of watching all sorts of wrestling, that's how we came into my love for British wrestling because I got put on the world of sport. And I thought it was crazy. It was it was something totally different than anything that I've ever seen before. It's like I was used to seeing technical wrestling, but like these guys were like rock star technical wrestlers. They were doing like wild stuff. Um, same thing with territory tapes. I'm a big fan of territory tapes. So, you know, you got you got St. Louis with wrestling at the chase, you had championship wrestling from Florida with the grounds. Um, you know, you had uh Sam Mushnick. Texas uh, area, all this other stuff. Everybody had their own stuff. Gagne for a while. You had all these different areas and they had all had their different flavor of wrestling. And to me, I feel like the South, especially during the territory days, they did it the best because you had like Florida, you had, uh, you had Florida, you had the Carolinas like we talked about. Um, you had Georgia, of course, championship wrestling for Georgia with the Crockett's. Mm -hmm. Um, you, you you can't escape that kind of history and it still has ripple effects to this day. There was a point where if you really wanted to make money and you really were that good, either you went to New York or you went to the South. Hmm. And I think in modern times, the South gets kind of uh, downplayed as it's just R-A-S-S-L-I-N wrestling. But I think if you really want to separate who can work and who can't, you got to come through the South. That's really fascinating. Um, yeah, Claire, I, I wonder what your thoughts are on this. Um, I know you're, this is this kind of learning through wrestling is something that's quite interesting, isn't it? In terms of if we think about the differences between wrestling and other art forms like theatre and things like that, this sort of learning on the road, learning from vet veterans and things like that. Yeah, no, I, absolutely. I, I'm fascinated by this sense of like that you learn as you do something. So. Um, it is there in, in acting, I, I guess, and in dance, but not to the same extent as in wrestling, I would say, like, you're basically kind of thrown into a ring with somebody who has been maybe in the ring for loads more years than you, and you kind of, I suppose, like, 
I'm going to say sort of kind of learn through touch or like learn through movement and then also through speaking, obviously. But there's that sense of sort of like, you know, when one person moves one way, you learn how to move the other way. And I, I suppose I'm really interested in this idea of kind of embodied learning. And I, I guess I don't, I don't know very much about kind of the um, the kind of Southern American context. And I know more about the British context, but I, I guess the same thing would be true there, that you kind of learn with these guys who have just been in the ring for years and years and years. And you learn kind of through this, Kind of embodied um, learning, kind of teaching experience where you kind of move together and learn together, and um, and it becomes like a generational thing. You kind of pass it down. You pass down these particular tropes or types of wrestling, like you're talking about, like in the South of America, being kind of like you know you have to be kind of a hard worker, like you you're, you're there's a respect there around hard work. So I guess yeah, I'm really interested in how this how that's passed down, how you know between generations, I suppose. So they're very big. Um, I think in Southern, and th this is almost a similarity in British wrestling in a way. It's just, it's, it's acted out differently. Um, you know, British wrestling at one point was very big on um, being technical minded, which is, which is a trip to me when I finally came over because, you know, I'm, I'm watching every Johnny Saint and Jim Brakes and Steve Gray tape I can get my hands on. And I'm like, okay, I'm expecting to come over there and like, you know, people trying to tie me in knots and I need to be ready for it. And, I always think it's funny because in my travels, I've learned that every country never wants to champion the style that they're known for. They always yeah. ate somebody else's style. So like the Brits, the Brits want to be, okay, this is my theory. The, the Brits want to ape strong style right now. So the, the Brits want Japanese style right now. Then, you know, and you got the camp shows that still ape American, uh, quote unquote, American style wrestling. But um, you got the Brits who want to ape strong style. Then you go to Japan and Japan wants to ape American. So they up their pageantry and the storylines that they have and the way that they produce stuff, et cetera, et cetera. New Japan really grew when they started adding WWE style production. Then you come to America and America is aping whatever's popular at any given time. So like we had a we had a Lucha Libre phase. Then it goes back to pure wrestling for a while. Then there's a deathmatch phase and then it goes back to pure wrestling for a while. It always comes back to pure wrestling eventually. But like you know, even though sports entertainment is like what we're known for, like American wrestling is pageantry on top of pageantry. It's like we're always trying to prove that it's like that person where people say like they're shallow or you're popular. You would you you wouldn't be deep. And it's like, no, I'm I, I got depth. I got range. And then it's like we're always trying to prove we could do other things. And it's like we're not saying that we you can't, but let's be real about what got you to the dance. And that's your pageantry. Mexico is its own anomaly. Like Mexico is always going to be Mexico. Like it's, it's tradition is too deep to change anything, but that's from what I noticed. And then with Georgia, when you're asking about how we learn, Georgia's very big on a lot of nonverbal. Um, it's always prided itself on being rough. Like when you watch old tapes, the level of, uh, I guess, when people look at it, the level of choreography and it looking ultra smooth, it's purposely not there because mm -hmm. during that time, that wasn't a smooth era. It was rugged. It was like, okay, we're going to get in there. We're going to do some stuff. And that's part of the charm. 
like everything looked like a struggle. Everything looked like it was two guys jockeying for a position. Things weren't clean. Things didn't look right. It just looked like a fight. And I love that. Mm-hmm. And nowadays you got people saying, oh, well, his footwork is bad. Or like, you know, he missed his timing on that or he blew that spot. It's like, no, this is what sometimes fighting looks like. And like, this is what struggle looks like. If you've been in a fight, you would know. Mm-hmm. If you've ever had to grapple with somebody, you would know. And I think the British scene in terms of like pure wrestling and then just the style of Southern wrestling embodies that better than anything. And that's why I say it's great to learn under because then you don't become a person that's stuck to a script. You have to learn to be on the fly. A lot of the the elders that you wrestle with and a lot of the vets they don't know how to do, we're going to do this, to this, to this, to this, to this. And then we're going to do this, 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 this. They don't do that. So it's mm-hmm. like, we're going to go out there and we're going to figure it out. Um, I forget who was the vet that told me this, but um, he's like, there's nothing like, let me, let me put my voice on for him. He's like, kid, there's nothing worse than going out there and you got it in your mind that you're going to sell these people iced tea. And then you get out there and you find out that these people don't like iced tea and they want lemonade and you didn't bring any, you didn't bring any damn lemons. So what are you going to sell these people, man? Still got to, you st- still got to, still got to make money. They still got to drink. What are you going to sell these people? And we see a lot of that. Like a lot of people go out there and they put out stuff and it's like, they, they're like, I don't care if they like iced tea or not. We're going to, we're going to give them iced tea. And then they wonder why some of that stuff doesn't resonate. Or I also look at a lot of people's work and it's really, fun in the moment but I I feel like we're at a point where the athleticism and all that other stuff is at a level that we've never seen before and there are people doing things that we'll never be able to do like they somehow find ways to keep topping that but here's the thing how much of that stuff do you really remember because everybody always talks about a match of the year and then the next month there's a new match of the year the next week, there's a new match of the year. Yeah, and I come, still remember. Right, sorry, go ahead. Go ahead. I, I was no, just please, say no, that you, please. a lot of it comes back to the the emotion that you're able to generate through through your actions, rather than you know that. And I'm really drawn to when you talk about you know it needs to look like a struggle, and I can see that when I've when I've watched yourself. And, and actually Darius uh, Lockhart, when he came over and worked for Resurgence and you, and you were both working together as a team, there that's was- my guy, that's my guy. You both had that, like that kind of grit to, to like you, you looked like you, yeah, you were able to bring a kind of struggle and a grit and uh, yeah, and that really resonates now that you've said that in respect to that kind of Southern style as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but also just on the, like, like you were saying, the we're going to do this, 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 and this, and the, and the, the, you know, incredible developments in terms of athleticism. If you don't resonate, if, if what you do doesn't connect emotionally with an audience, then it doesn't, like you say, it doesn't sit in your memory. It doesn't, you don't hold on to it or retain it. Right. Like I'm a, I'm a, I'm a big theater kid, big film buff. Like I love all the arts. I love all the arts. Right. So my thing is like, I can sit down and watch a Fast and the Furious movie and I'll go crazy and I'll be like hoot and holler. And I think this is, man, this is crazy from like what I saw it. I 
don't remember what happened. <laughs> like two two weeks from now, I'd be hard pressed to remember certain things for that movie. Like it just it just don't stand out like that. It's just a good time. But I can tell you every bit from Gladiator. And Gladiator, I think, had just as much action, but like they really bought the story and the emotion and like the the reason why this guy has got to go through. And like Gladiator was like wrestling booking, if you really look at it, because it's like dude was a top star. You know, like, like, and, and I think at the time they tried to compare it to like Austin and McMahon when they were, um, when they were promoting it on WWE. And it's like, you know, not too far off because you've got this great, you've got this great power and that, and this is something that they've lost focus on too. Sometimes a good heel is the exact opposite of the baby face. So you got Joaquin Phoenix over there being this protected, uh, pretentious, entitled, uh, rich, um, mm-hmm. powerful, you know, like um, ruler of everything. And then you've got, you know, Russell Crowe in his prime, might I add, with uh, w- like, this is like prime Russell Crowe. This is good. This is good. Let the good times roll. Russell Crowe, he could do no wrong. And, you know, um, he's strong, he's, he's humble, uh, you know, family-oriented. All he wanted to do was to go home. Hill takes everything away from him, right? So he's battling his way back to get to, to get to his revenge. And it's funny because, again, if you're doing the wrestling parallels, he's going through the indie scene. He's got to go through, like, the weird dusty arena for a little bit <laughs> wrestling the top indie stars over there right and then he earns the respect as like an indie star to the point where it's like all right well we're going to call you up to the big leagues which is the coliseum so he went through the indie slash developmental went to the coliseum became a star in the coliseum and then again another wrestling parallel they're promoting certain fights right so it's like oh this will be good this will get people to come in we're gonna put lions in. we're gonna do a step now we're gonna have lions <laughs> in the thing with the gladiators but hopefully this is the one that gets them killed except except you know they can't just say hey we need you to do the job tonight it's like they're just gonna stack the deck and hope that you do the job yourself and dude keeps winning one of my favorite things about that movie spoilers i'm sorry anybody that's listening but you should watch the movie anyway um is the fight at the end because it's not some grand over-the-top fight. You know, he stabs him before he even gets on the field. Um, this this man, you know, Joaquin Phoenix's character, he can't go toe-to-toe with Maximus. And it's, it's played out perfectly the way they do it because it's not some drawn-out, elaborate, super-long fight. The moment Maximus gets an opening, like, he crushes him yeah. because he had enough gall to think that like, okay, even with this guy stabbed, I'm better than him. I can beat him. Everybody else will see it. And he still gets done up. And there's so many things about that movie that I love. Like even the way I'm reciting it from memory right now and I'm remembering all this stuff, that's the difference between me and the Fast and the Furious. Mm -hmm. And to me, that's the difference between something like Kofi Kingston and Daniel Bryan versus like, oh, this indie match was really good. Or Mm -hmm. like Coda versus Jay White. Or, you know, like I look at things, I look at things like that and I'm looking for that emotional content and things that like, God, I can remember this piece from it. I can even remember things that have nothing to do with the wrestling from it. That is the most epic breakdown of a film in wrestling terms I've ever heard. That is so great. I totally totally agree. Like 
there's you know that you can if you if you break things down in these wrestling terms they actually begin to make mo way more sense like i think bringing wrestling into the kind of inter-artistic um scene that you've just laid out there is so fruitful like it, you, you begin to understand the character more like it does it makes that final sequence in that kind of wonderful film glad it because i agree i think it's a brilliant final scene it makes it way way more sense when you actually think about it in terms of kind of heel and face and notions of revenge and the kind of performativity of that scene and like when they carry him off like you know who will help me carry him like all that sort of stuff it's like it is right. way more sense when you think about it as a wrestling it's so good it's so good and as an aside um, this is just as an aside because I can't help but think about this in this movie. But this something like this also happened in real life, so I can't help but bring it up. So you know how when he finally earns respect at like the Indy Coliseum, yeah. and you know as he walks down as he walks down the way like the entrance way, everybody bows at him and they're like and they're like Spaniard, Spaniard, Spaniard. Everybody just <laughs> takes a knee and they show him that respect, right? Yeah. Um, I did production work at Deep South Wrestling when it was when it was a Georgia it was a Georgia developmental territory. It wasn't open for a long time, but it was a Georgia developmental territory um for WWE. Regal, of course, lives in Georgia. And I think he might live in Florida now, but um last I checked he lives in Georgia. And um of course he was helping out there a lot. I swear to God, when Regal came into a room, it was the same energy. <laughs> like everybody just be like, like Regal, Regal. Regal, 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 and it's like, and it's like, and he, it's just, you know, he get, he gives you the slightest nod and the handshake, cause, cause people know, like that's a, that's a respect thing, like that's Regal, you know what I'm saying? Like you, you bow, you bow your head, man, like, like he's, he's that guy, and I always love that about that, just watching him come into a room, cause it's just that respect of people knowing, and. I say that a lot in, in daily life. Like if somebody gets the Spaniard, the Sp I always say it's the Spaniard respect where it's like, it's to the point where people are either bound or taking a knee because they know, like when you come in the room, this is the guy. Yeah. 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 That's so cool. Yeah. No, that, that was, as, as Claire said, I think that was really, really fascinating. Um, and I do love that. Like, again, like Claire said, that use of wrestling to kind of read these other narratives that people wouldn't, Ever, I don't think anyone that wasn't familiar with wrestling would would have that you know kind of take on it. Um, things like you know westerns is another one which has a really kind oh, of similar man. kind of wrestling. You know the 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 sheriff and the and the outlaw and two kind of gunslingers and all the kind of mythology that those different characters and those roles get kind of steeped in, mm -hmm. and and also the simplicity of the storytelling I think as well, which is again one of the fascinating things I think about wrestling is. It can be really, really simple, but that simplicity belies a kind of really a great kind of complexity as well at the same time. Um, I want to ask you, like we've touched upon it a little bit, um, this um, interest in the UK scene. And, and so specifically, I want to kind of ask how, how you came to, to travel to the UK for the first time. Um, yeah, what was that kind of process? How did you find yourself in the UK, but also in particular in Leeds? Because it's not just the UK that we associate you with, it's the city of Leeds as well. I'm so happy for that too, because I just, you know, I think the world of that city. Um, so here's my so here's my deal. Um, everything connects with everything to me. Like it's the it's the slightest bit of connections, like one thing 
threads to one thing that threads to another thing that gets you to another place. And I'm very big on that. When I talk to people, it's like, if you've got this overreaching goal, you have to start small and then you start finding that one thing leads to another thing leads to another thing that eventually, before you know it, leads you to where you want to be. Um, let me see. So what happened was I've, which is, which is crazy. I've always wanted a match with two cold Scorpio. Always wanted a match with two cold Scorpio. Wanted it for the longest time. Right. So finally, one of the companies that I wrestle with, uh, heroes and legends decided like, Hey, um, we can get Scorpio in for you in Indiana. And I'm like, are you for real? Yes. I'll be there with bells on. Um, we have the match. He is, I know people say don't meet your idols, but like he is beyond cool and he is everything and more than I thought he would be. Um, I think the world of him and, um, he really changed my course trajectory because we had a really good match. Uh, he definitely did not phone it in. Um, especially his age, man, he's going hard. And I I think the world of him for it, he could have always just came in and got the paycheck and called it a day, but he did not do that. Um, we sat down and he asked me what I wanted for my career. And this was a little bit after, um, I had did impact and there, there wasn't any interest of doing something there. Like I, I guess they just didn't have interest, which is fine. It happens. Um, so I was like, I really would love to go to the UK right now. I'm liking what they got going on as a scene. I've had some com I've had some conversations, but the biggest thing is, um, you know, just getting over there and having some people to decide, Hey, Let's get him over there, right? So um, he put me in touch with uh, Wrestle Clash. And basically, I had a conversation with the promoter. And the long and short of it was, okay, you got two options. Either, either you know, because he really didn't know me like that, but he was going off of Scorpio's word. He's like, either I could get you to, either I could pay you to get over here, or I can get you a ticket, but I won't pay you. And I'm like, okay, well let me get the ticket. And if you can put the ticket from this point to this point, let's do that. Cause I'll figure out some other book is the hardest part is just me being over there. So he found something. Um, I immediately got in touch with a bunch of people and this is why I always have a respect and a loyalty to like hope wrestling title PCW because they were the three that took a chance on me when nobody else really would, or they weren't too sure. And I went over there and things went really well and people really took to me and I took to them and, uh, word travels fast on the Brit rest scene. So when I said I wanted to come back, suddenly a lot of those companies who didn't want to talk before now they're more open to conversation because they heard. And then more companies started wanting to have more conversations. And then before you know it, I'm having a dark match at progress and, you know, I'm doing shows in Romania. And before you know it, like 18 months had went by and, you know, on and off, you know, I'd come back home, but I did 18 months over there and they were, they were great. I loved every last bit of it. And the reason why we settled on leads is I was staying in Preston with, uh, with, uh, Stephen Flutter, which was an experience like that guy is a, a madman but like in the best way there's always a story there's always a story like staying with him like even just being around him there's always a story but um eventually he had to change his moving situation so it was one of those cases where i just had to look into options so when it came down to it i started thinking of the three places i could go 
And it was either going to be Manchester, it was going to be Wolverhampton, or it was going to be Leeds. And I laugh because every time I say Wolverhampton, everybody cringes. So <laughs> I guess I, I guess I dodged the bullet. You know, Wolves was like a very big wrestling capital. Like a lot of wrestlers were there because of Fight Club. So that's why I thought about it. But I, I guess I dodged the bullet because I got to have a social life outside of just wrestling. So that worked itself out. Um, Manchester to me was a little, I liked it, but it was a little too all over the place. And I just know that I always enjoyed coming to Leeds every time I went. And I, it, I, it's a real artsy city. There's always something to do. And um, I just made a choice. I was like, okay, well, let's figure it out. I figured something out for myself over there. And then that's where I called home, man. And uh, I, I love that city. And I got to the point where I just could, I, I, I learned everything I could about that city to the point where I could just walk the streets of city center, like super easy and know where everything was at. And it was always an adventure and it was always something new. And this is why I will never take, even when I did AEW, um, I demanded, I need Leeds England in my, my intro. I'll gladly, I'll gladly acknowledge like, you know, I'm from Georgia and all that other stuff like that. And, you know, you get people online that are like, he clearly doesn't sound like he's from Leeds. I, I clearly <laughs> know that. I clearly don't care. Like there's clearly people using, using weights and hometowns that they're not from. It, it's okay. It doesn't matter. At least I did time in the city that I said I'm in. I'm not just saying it as a part of an intro, but um, I really felt like they, they put me on their shoulders. And they took me in and they made me feel special and they made me feel like it was home. And I never want to lose that part of home. And especially during the pandemic, um, I never wanted them to forget that I still think about them and I still care and I'm going to find my way back. So that's why I do that. Yeah. And I, I think, um, I definitely, I wasn't, I was not a regular with title, but I definitely saw at least one title show with you on when you were the champion at title. And I think it was Chuck Mambo that you wrestled in. Ooh. Yeah. I think it was like, I think you styled it as like a, uh, there was some kind of way that you guys framed the match, which was that you were both really nice guys and that you weren't going to. Oh, nice guy rules. Yeah. <laughs> like, we weren't going to hit, we weren't going to hit each other. It was like, like, uh, and then, and then, and then of course we had the rematch and then Chuck was like, screw that. And then they threw all that out the window. But, um, no, nah, I, I really like that. And Chuck, he's such a special talent, man. He's so good. Um, oh. I, I, I like he's he's good anywhere he goes and I know he got to do a few American shows like I feel like there's guys that I wish they could get like six months in America and then they never want them to leave like they'd always have a way to come back home like if I could get Darice, Warren Banks, Chuck Mambo, Roy Johnson, um, Joe Nelson, uh, Lycos if he's up for it. And um, if if I had to if I had to get one more on the list, uh, let me get. You know what? Just because I think he would he would uh, let me just because he would shock some people. Let me get H T Drake too, and just and, and that means bring Roxy too. So that yeah, bring her too. So like if I could just get them over to the states for like a little bit, just so that people could just see them for a little bit. I feel like they'd always have a way to co they'd always have bookings. They'd always have a way to get back over there. Mm -hmm. What was the um 
you had a, a quite a special kind of bond with that with that crowd there and title is very very small like i i even go so far as to say it's smaller than our leicester venue um hundred maybe in the crowd standing at tidal something like that i think i think if we had like a really 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 good night it's like 120 130 yeah so it's about the same size but there was um th- like some of the songs I, I i don't know what your what, what your kind of <laughs> reflections on that on that kind of connection to the to the crowd because i know the leeds fans this there's a group in particular i think that try to make up very inventive kind of songs and things like that and had you kind of experienced stuff like that before um let me see so my thing my thing with that was the only time i used to ever hear singing like that is like the uh wrestlemania like the post wrestlemania crowds or like the wrestlemania crowds when like the international cats would come through and suddenly everybody suddenly had rhythm and melody and there were these great songs that would come up and what and i loved it i thought it was great i was like yo you need to import these guys over more often because they make the they make the shows more interesting like with the fight chants and the songs and all that other stuff like that so um never in a million years would i imagine i'd get songs or that kind of stuff for me it's like i just wanted to be over i just wanted to be over enough to get to come back Hmm. and you know, it's it started there and then it found its way to Preston and then it just started showing up a lot of different places and whatnot. And um, I felt like between both those places, Leeds and Preston, that's when the acceptance factor came in. Um, that meant a lot to me because when you're over there and it's like I'm taking a chance on myself, um, especially when you're feeling like nobody's taking a chance on you, and you're taking a chance on yourself. It's like the the least I could do is just knock it out the park if nobody else is taking a chance on me. Mm. And man, like it just felt good to get that acceptance. And you know the the sugar sugar stuff and all the other stuff like the Archies and whatnot. Um, anytime I think of sugar sugar, I think of the bit from The Simpsons where like he's doing the dream and he's going crazy and like he's hearing sugar sugar in the background. That's my relation to it. But like, um it just felt good that that was our thing of our own and we got the party and um, it's something that's not going to happen in the States like that. Like this Mm -hmm. is our thing. And that's when I knew I was like, yo, like it's good over here. And I'd come home and I'll be honest, like I'd come home. And at that time I didn't have a lot going on. Like I felt like I did a lot, but like it, it just wasn't popping. It wasn't the energy like that. So it was very easy to just be like, okay, um let's plan another tour let's go and mm. i remember the first two tours coming back i i, I was depressed man because then it was like going back to doing kind of like the same old same old indies i was doing and it was like this ain't it like this ain't like over there and the respect was different and all that other stuff like that so it it, it meant nothing to me to be gone and it helped because me being gone and me coming back and getting better and doing different things, people started realizing like, okay, well, he kind of doesn't need us if he wants to work. Like maybe we need to start offering him some like good work. I'm like, yeah, that would be great. But I'm always, I'm always going to have like a loyalty factor to what y'all got going on over there. And even more so because, you know, even when we were talking just a moment ago, um, I want to know when the travel ban ends. I know there's like a lot of rebuilding <laughs> there's a lot of rebuilding that has it going over there. I'd like to be a part of that. I don't know if I'd be able to do the, um, 
I don't know if I'd be able to stay as long as I've been staying, but I want, I want to be a part of that. And I want to like be able to help and give back the way that it gave to me because the UK made me a better person. It made me a better wrestler. It did a lot for me. That's really interesting. Like, um, so I, I think the next thing that I, I guess maybe the last thing that I wanted to ask you a little bit about was, um, the so the sec, uh, resurgence obviously we only actually worked together um twice but the second time in particular was as part of um of roy johnson's everything patterned so i wondered yeah. like if you had um and that i guess in terms of where we are with the world shutting down and things like that it was kind of towards the end of 2019 so it wasn't far off one of the you know i think second or third to last show that we actually did and i wondered would well, yeah just what your kind of ref- reflections are on that show um especially like given what's happened over the last year um everything pattern was super necessary and i remember talking to roy and it being i remember talking to roy and it being um it being crazy for me because one i just knew america would never do anything like that so to see that really brought joy to my heart. And then to be at title where you've got promoters that are just booking intergender matches just because, and they've got, you know, um, brown people and black people in like prominent positions in the company just because, cause you know, not because he had to, not because he had to have a quota or anything like that, but because like they were the people for the job. And that was crazy to me to be able to see that, Not that, you know, we, it doesn't have its problems over there too, but I definitely saw more good stuff pushing the conversation forward over there than I did back at home. So then to see this, it was like, no, I'm not missing that. And I remember Roy saying, um, he said, the only travesty about this show is the fact that everybody was available for me to be able to do it. Cause the talent up and down that card it should have been a much harder time to be able to get who we got to me. Cause like all the matches bang, you had all these different characters, you had all these different interpretations of what blackness could be. And um, I just thought it was beautiful. And I thought it was great that he put that together and it was authentic. And I appreciate y'all for giving us the room to be able to be our authentic selves while we go ahead and do that. Because then like if there was no everything pattern, I'm convinced there would have been no for the culture in America. Mm-hmm. And even then, as much as I appreciate for the culture, I don't, I can't fully say it's the experience. You know, we were doing like the electric slide at the end of the show and all this <laughs> other stuff like that. And it's just, it's just little things, you know, it's little things, you know, that make it like, this is it. Like, this is the real deal. And um, it's one of the most joyous moments I've ever had in a locker room at a promotion with my people. And, um, you know, I, 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 I cherish and I cling to that. And it's one of those cases where I look hopefully in my lifetime to be able to see shows where we don't necessarily have to do showcase shows like that. It just is. So if it just so happens that an all black show is an all black show, so be it. They were the best people for the spots that we were trying to fill Mm. or if we got this or we got this going on, it is what it is. Um, But I think it was very necessary. I think it caused a lot of ripple effects over there and, you know, here 
even here, all the way across the ocean, that it needed to happen. And I think for what you're trying to push forward with Resurgence, which is why I I really enjoy you guys as a company, um, it's necessary because y'all are trying to shine light on different ways that stories can be told in the art of wrestling. And most of all, like who's responsible for that art and the different ways that it could be told. So thanks for that. Well, this is a question that I've been kind of thinking about quite a lot and I don't have an answer to it. So I'm, I'm kind of interested in what your interpretation of it is. How do you, do you think that wrestling is a kind of, um, uh, let me, let me try and figure out how to phrase this. Do you think it's um, wrestling is wrestling? So, you know, regardless of whether it's a man or a woman, um, a person of color, um, a, um, a person of um, transgender, perhaps, that, that those, those kind of labels and our identities are not necessarily important, that it's, it, that it's two wrestlers wrestling at the end of the day, and they could be from any kind of background. Or do you think that the identities of those people make their wrestling unique, I guess, that, that only um, two people of color could wrestle that match and tell that story because they come from that, they have that unique experience. And I, I'm not sure so whether they, a, yeah, go for it. Sure, sure, I, I get where you're going. Let's take it a little bit further. When we, when we are born and we're children, we have to be told roles, you know, like we're told and we learn, you know, boy, girl, um, gay, straight, black, white, which just is what it is. Like, what, like w- without people putting the pressures or the influences or telling you what to think or you having your own experiences or whatever it is, people are just people. It's just stuff that's going on around you. And then you make your own decisions before the influences start coming in. So to me, that's the way it is with any kind of art. Now, granted, when you're telling certain things culturally, um, it changes and yes, you want certain people to be able to be the ones to tell their own particular stories. Like um, I relate it down into brass tacks sometimes about like when people talk about how like black people should feel about certain things or how Asian people should feel about certain things, et cetera, et cetera. It's like me telling my life story and you telling me like, shut up. I know your life story. This is your life story. Mm-hmm. No, the only person that can tell my life story is me. And if you're my ghostwriter, sure, I'll gladly tell you about it and you'll try to translate it as best as possible. But it has to come from me in order to have its level of authenticity. Um, I think if we're talking about the general form of the art, and that's film, that's wrestling, that's painting, that's music, that's anything to that effect, um, labels mean nothing as long as it's good. Is it good or is it not? Does it make you feel something or does it, or does it not? And I think a lot of the times we get so caught up on who's making it and not, again, those questions, did I feel something and is it good? Mm-hmm. And as you get older, everything has to be in a box. Everything has to have a label. Everything has to um, be classified a certain thing or else, or else how could it make sense if we don't classify it? But it's right back to being a child. You know, you look mm-hmm. at preschoolers, where stuff isn't like thrown upon them and it's like they see other kids so they're just playing they see other stuff and it is what it is they're just happy to be around people and interact with people and just have a good time they're not thinking about all that 
if they're playing a video game and there's a second controller, they're, they're going to ask if they can play and they pick it up and they have a good time. They're not worried about all that. Mm-hmm. And we, we get that child like wonder in us like broken down because, Oh, you, you, you're a boy. So it has to be this and that. And you're black. So it has to be this and that. And Oh, that person you're hanging around is black. You can't hang around them. And here's why. And you, you get told a lot of stuff and don't get to decide a lot of stuff for yourself. And I feel like if there was more decisions about how we look at the world by ourselves versus being told how we need to decide what the world looks like, it'd be a better world. We got companies on these large scales that are trying to market and tell me what a black wrestler is. And it's like, you have no black people on your creative team. You're barely listening to the black talent as it is in terms of what they want to do or, you know, Asian talent or vice versa. Like, are we trying to make this authentic so that we can sell it? Or are you trying to give me your interpretation of what that looks like? Because it's two different things. That's one thing I got to give respect to Marvel about. Any character that they've had of color or diversity, they're tackling the issues while still being superheroes. When you got Falcon and the Winter Soldier recently, and he's going into the fact of like they never would have accepted a black Captain America. And then fast forward and now we've got one and he's explaining why that's important. Or the fact that they've got the uh they've got I think it's like Shang Shang Chi that's coming out and they made sure that they were very important it was very important that we get this we cast correctly when it comes to like our Asian representation and this and what the history looks like and all this other stuff like that. Um that's how you do it. Mm-hmm. And I feel like with any kind of art, that's the way that it just should be done because we learn more about each other. We learn that we can love different things. We learn that there's different interpretations of how this stuff can look and it's all good. Mm-hmm. And I'll always try to stand behind that in wrestling because you got to understand, and uh, I guess I say it in summation, um, I'm a black Southern Georgia boy who comes from infinitely one of the most racist states in the world, you know, Confederate flag waving, all this other stuff like that, if we're talking about it, um, who came over to a, a whole nother country of, you know, imperial rule, all this other stuff like that, um, because I liked World of Sport tapes and mm. got accepted by like a whole nother, by, got accepted by a whole nother like culture. And I never, they never tried to tell me how to be of their culture. And I never tried to tell them about their culture. We just played off of each other and we made it work. And we learned to love each other a little bit more off of that. And I just wish there was more of that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's uh, loads of that resonates in, in loads of different ways. I and mean, it's a really fascinating and kind of nuanced answer to that, to that question that I think is is not necessarily a question that's going to, that could be or or will be answered um certainly not succinctly um i wonder just on on a kind of final thing claire what your um a, a theme that a, a kind of has come up come about through this conversation is this sort of transnationalism and this idea that that wrestling culture is is this kind of global culture and i wonder what your kind of feelings were about that 
Yeah, totally. Well, as we were as we were been talking, I actually wrote down local international question mark. Uh, so that's kind of interesting you put that up, Sam, because I think like as we've been talking, one of the things that I've been really thinking about is the way that that wrestling, as so often with wrestling, is like both and. It's it's always so difficult to put into a into a category. I think that's one of the things that I really love about it. But it's both like really local. I mean, it's sort of talking about um like kind of really small shows in Leeds, like really specifically local, and yet part mm -hmm. of this massive international scene where people kind of move across uh, continents and countries. And, and you know, it goes back to your, your comment earlier about like um, Brits looking to Japanese strong style, which by the way, I wholeheartedly agree with, and that's exactly what Bushy Scene is doing. <laughs> at the moment. And you can, you can tell from all the merch, all the merch has like Japanese and Sydney on at the moment. But like there's there's it's it's fascinating to me that that wrestling it seems to be one of those things that kind of crosses geographical divides in such interesting ways and yet manages to retain the sort of localism that you've been talking about with kind of Georgia and the specific wrestling in Georgia we've been talking about the kind of specific wrestling in Britain but like but at the same time we part this massive like global connected thing that shares practices and so it all kind of merges together and becomes kind of a really complex artistic medium I suppose. right yeah when you're doing it when you're doing it correctly yes that's exactly what's supposed to happen like like that's that's what's supposed to happen like I don't have to be from like, okay, not that I watched the show. I'm just using it as an example. I shouldn't have to be from Georgia to like the Dukes of Hazard. If it's a good show and I just enjoy it and I like seeing like real, real funny, like, like real funny sight gags and cars, but it's got a Southern flavor to it. I'm just going to enjoy it. Like I'm a huge fan of Guy Ritchie films. Always been like from, from lock stock all the, well, we're gonna forget about Volver. We're not not Volver. We're gonna we're gonna forget. Like Volver was weird. That was during that Madonna era. So that was like that was like Revolver and like like Spirit and Spirited Away and not Spirited Away, but like Washed Away. Yeah, we're gonna those never happened. Okay, but like all the other stuff. Yeah, Rock and Roller, all that stuff. I love it. Like I love it. That's not my culture, but mm. you could tell that's a very. He made sure it was very deeply rooted in his culture, and he didn't try to. He didn't try to dumb down a lot of stuff in it, et cetera, et cetera. It's like, if you don't understand the word and if you don't understand the pacing, yada, 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 you're just going to have to catch up. But it was still good. And because of that, that opened the door for me to get into stuff like, you know, I like um, I like Toast of London. I like, you know, the mm -hmm. IT crowd. I like, um, I like, you know, all that other stuff like that. I, I started learning how to enjoy that culture's humor and that culture's drama, even though it wasn't mine. But when you do it correct, that's what's supposed to happen. It's just a part of it. It's like, you know, we watch subtitle films all the time. They're good. Like, they're, if they're really good, I'm going to watch it. And that's the same thing with wrestling. It's like, at the end of the day, wrestling is wrestling. And I think people get into that sometimes where it's like, well, what style should I wrestle if I want to be successful over here, if I want to be that? If it's good, don't worry about it. Like... Mm um 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 you know i'm like even in america it's like i'm going up to new york so do i need to do more striking or do i need to do this no do the stuff that people react to do the stuff that they like do the stuff that they're going to remember mm. and that's why i'm big on traveling and you know i've i've made it a point to be like you know hashtag journeyman 
because I want to be able to go anywhere and do what's natural and real and good to me. And whether it's from in front of a Romanian crowd or a Japanese crowd or an English crowd or American crowd or whatever, like I, I got plans. I want to go to Mexico one day, all this other stuff. Like I just want to see everything. I just want them to know it's not going to matter what the crowd or the geography or whatever it is. It's good. You know, it's Suge, so it's going to be good. And when wrestling is done correctly, when any kind of artist is done correctly, you know, it's not even a national line thing or any of that. It's just good. Hmm. That's great. Like, um, okay, so I I think we've probably come to our time. Um, There's been some, some really fascinating stuff, a really enjoyable and quite joyous, I think, at times conversation. I wonder if there's anything um, anything that you want to say that we've not asked you or yeah anything you want to when anything you want to ask us or yeah anything like that to finish off with I I, I totally wish I did have more time um maybe maybe that's a backdoor to a part two <laughs> but um I, it's not so much that I want to ask it's more so something I just kind of want to state um you know you know and I'll say it again because I know you're saying like when resurgence was once upon a time and everything um resurgence is important i hope when everything gets back to normal you're back and you're back at full force and you're doing what it is that you do and um whether darius is there or not which i'm sure he will be or whatever it is um i want to see you again and i want to be a part of that and i just want to be a part of you know because during the time when brit rest was was having its 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 big revival there um it shaped a lot of things in a positive way. And I think it could, it needs reshaping again. So that said, Mm. it takes everybody being responsible. And I'm saying the same thing over here. I'm saying it to anywhere that's doing with it. So like, you know, if that's your bag, get vaccinated, but if not, wear your mask, you know, listen to what they're trying to tell you, do this, do that. Cause um, the sooner we do that, the sooner we can get back to normal. And I'd rather not have, all these weird arguments about what to do or what not to do. The point is there was an argument about if there was even a disease at one point, and we definitely proved it existed for a very long time. So I'd like things to get to a point where everybody can be well again, and we can get to this abstract normal that is doing what we do. And I just want everybody to be okay and take care of each other. And much like in wrestling in general, um, there's a lot of egos and sometimes there's a lot of selfishness, but you still need somebody at the end of the day. Everybody needs everybody. You can't have a match by yourself. Yeah. Yeah. That, I, yeah. I think that's really, really interesting. And thank you for saying that as well. Um, hopefully we are now turning a corner and it's not going to be too long before, you know, people from like yourselves um, in the U S can start coming over and, um, you know, starting new weird, colloquial chants with UK crowds and continuing that kind of intercultural exchange that makes wrestling so endlessly looking forward to it looking forward <laughs> yeah. to it and I, and I think a part two would be really interesting because one of the things I'd love to get you to or, or have a conversation with you about is um, that kind of past wrestling that we've been talking about those matches that you drew inspiration from the British matches that you drew inspiration from maybe some southern wrestling as well and kind of go down that, that kind of rabbit hole so. yeah that'd be awesome. it up. i'd love to brilliant okay well, yeah thank you for your time um yeah and it's been really great really interesting
great. All right, thank you. Thank you guys so much for having me. I super appreciate it. Cool, no problem. It's been a pleasure. So yeah, enjoy the rest of your day. I will. Y'all take care, and um, I know I'll be talking to y'all soon enough. Okay. Yeah, definitely. Cheers. No problem. Be good. That was great. That was really good. Yeah, I really enjoyed that. (laughs) We could have literally carried on talking all night. I've broken down literally every form I know through his like (laughs) wrestling goggles because it was that was the best reading of a film through wrestling I have ever heard in all my days. Like I will never watch Gladiator the same way ever again. I've written down watch Gladiator. That's pretty much my only note. (laughs) You've never watched Gladiator, Sam? No, I have. But yeah, to rewatch it. Oh man. Uh, yeah, no, totally. Re- I rewatched Gladiator mm. now, thinking about um, heels and faces and the indie scene. Like, yeah, yeah it's the of course it's the indie scene. Yeah, before you go really... to the big guys, Austin McMahon. Yeah, got it. Absolutely. Mm. Yeah, no, I, I did. I, I thought it would be good because I knew he had that. Well, for just that into, like I said, those two geographies: Southern America, the UK, and his knowledge of both of those. Like, I knew he had a very kind of encyclopedic kind of wrestling knowledge and I think yeah. people like that are always really fascinating yeah it's good. that was good really good yeah and looking forward to um Sam as well next week Sam, yeah it should be fun um so yeah I yeah. didn't realize I didn't kind of clock how big a deal he was until yeah he's um, quite a, he is quite a big, yeah he yeah. is quite a big deal in, in lots of ways like he's um we well, put yeah, out that tweet and I was like, I, I, I don't really look on our Twitter anymore and I just saw the little red dot and I was like what what's happening on Twitter like expecting the worst almost and I was like oh he's just tweeted and it's got loads of retweets and likes yeah yeah he's um he's cool like Sam and I have talked about a few different things over the years like um I can't remember where we made contact I think I gave a talk at his old drama school and then he heard of me and then we anyways and um yeah he's got this new film out so um called Screwjob which I thought would be just kind of cool to hear from him but also his acting background like he, we've talked before about him bringing his wrestling, under, his understanding of wrestling into how he acts. It's I think it's going to be really great to hear yeah. from because because I, I think that's that's such a kind. Of, I mean, even going back to what we've just been talking about, that intersection of wrestling and acting, and mm. there's so much mm. there. It's such a rich vein to think about. So um, yeah, I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, so as we're still recording, I'll, I'll plug. So ne- our next guest will be Sam Benjamin, who's an actor and writer. Mm-hmm um who has appeared in various different successful tv shows and things like that and also that um obviously last week's conversation was really great with tanisha and that will be well will be out by the time this is out so yeah and actually the conversation with tanisha intersected in really interesting ways with what we spoke about today especially around the everything pattern show there's some Mm. some really interesting kind of some not similarities, but interesting mo- interesting moments of meeting, I guess, between those two those two podcasts, I think, which people will enjoy. Yeah, I, I definitely think they'll speak speak really nicely to each other. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's been great to get new voices into the space other than just wrestlers. So yeah. that will hopefully be a theme that we can kind of continue. For sure. Thank you for listening. I hope you enjoyed the episode as much as we did recording it. And remember, if you did enjoy it, go and check out previous interviews with guests like Charlie Evans, Spike Trevay, Charles Crowley, Gene Money and Kanji. We have loads of other great episodes and there'll be another great episode coming next week. So yeah, check us out on Spotify, on iTunes, hit subscribe, follow Wrestling Resurgence on Twitter 
and take care.